Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of my brand new podcast, Not a Fitness Pro. I am your host, Michael Saw, and I am not a fitness pro. That is right. I am not a fitness pro. So what does that mean? That means that I am not a coach of any kind. I am not a certified personal trainer. In fact, I'm not certified to do anything. I am not a nutritionist or a dietitian. I'm definitely not a doctor or physical therapist. In fact, I never studied any fitness-related subjects in school. I'm not registered to do anything except to vote. I don't have any letters after my name. I am not a fitness model or any kind of social media influencer or a pro bodybuilder. I'm just a guy who really enjoys working out and going to the gym, but fell in love with this whole idea of fitness and health once I started learning more about it. I've watched countless hours of YouTube videos. I've read tons of articles and blogs on the internet. I've asked a lot of questions to my trainer and other professionals in the health and fitness industry. And by learning more about it, I love talking about it. And that's part of the reason why I want to start this podcast. But first, let me tell you a little bit about myself and kind of answer the question on how I got here. So from 2005 to 2015, I was in the restaurant industry. I owned a small little sushi bar. We did dine-in, takeout, and delivery. And it was always a dream of mine, ever since I was a little kid, that I wanted to own a restaurant. And I was very fortunate and lucky enough to have that dream come true. I had a lot of fun in that business. I met a lot of great people. I made a lot of great friends. Uh, and it was just the funnest time. I just loved my job. But for me, even though I had a lot of fun, it wasn't the healthiest of all lifestyles. For those who have been in the industry before or currently are in the restaurant business, you guys could probably relate when I say that is a different world than your standard nine to five job. The hours are obviously different. But for me personally, the amount of drinking and partying and unhealthy eating that went on uh, was pretty extreme. So to give you an idea of what I mean by that, let me just kind of give you a day in the life of what I went through and how I lived back when I had the restaurant. So a typical night for me would be after I closed the shop, I would walk down to the local bar and end up meeting people that I knew down there. And I knew all the bartenders down there. And I would end up drinking probably like six to eight Guinnesses and about four shots of Jameson. And for me, that was like a Tuesday or Wednesday. And some nights I drank a lot more. Some nights I drank a lot less. But on the average, I would say it's about there. And this was like five, six, seven nights a week sometimes. After a night of drinking, I'm naturally hungry. So when I got home, I try to order food for delivery or pickup. And what's open around that time? Nothing but junk food. So the only thing I could order was either pizza, cheesesteaks, uh, anything deep fried like buffalo wings, mozzarella sticks, french fries, calzones, hoagies, stuff like that. Stuff that you shouldn't be eating every single day of your life. So after I would be done eating, I would eventually pass out like around 4 o'clock, wake up, and kind of do that whole thing all over again. Now I tried to be healthy here and there, uh, and when I say try to be healthy, meaning I did have a gym membership. But I was definitely one of those guys that probably paid more for the months that I didn't go than I actually did go. And my idea of healthy eating was like having a tuna fish sandwich loaded with mayo, but on whole wheat bread instead of white bread, or having a turkey club on whole wheat bread instead of white bread. And then your ever popular salad with grilled chicken on top. But then I would smother it with ranch dressing or blue cheese dressing or Thousand Island dressing. 
it wasn't the healthiest, but it was definitely healthier than my normal diet, which again consisted of like chicken parm subs, burgers and fries, pizza, uh, and again all the deep fried foods that you can eat. And every morning when I woke up, my body felt it. I felt it. I was sore. My back hurt. Um, didn't have the energy like I do now. I really sometimes didn't want to get out of bed. I would just lie in bed just because I was just lazy. Uh, I felt groggy. I was definitely hungover. But the crazy part was, I kept on doing it. Regardless of the fact that I was feeling like shit every morning, I just kept on doing it and I just accepted it. And that was obviously the worst thing to do because I just thought that this is how I felt. This is how I'm going to feel. So I might as well embrace it. I might as well accept it and just kind of adapt to it. And obviously, looking back on it now, that was the worst attitude to have. And every time I felt kind of fat or I felt that I packed on a few more extra pounds than I was comfortable with, I would go on what they called a starvation diet. Knowing what I know now, and I could tell you with certainty that that is the worst way to lose weight. And again, even though I'm not an expert, I'm pretty sure that there's not one dietitian or nutritionist that will disagree with me when I say the starvation diet is the worst diet and the worst way to lose weight. But I didn't know anything back then. The only thing I knew about nutrition or dieting was protein builds muscle. And that's it. I didn't know anything about calories in, calories out. I didn't really know what macros were. I didn't know how important carbs or fats were or vitamins and minerals. I didn't know anything like that. All I knew is that if I just kind of eat less, I'll lose weight. But not eating, again, is the worst way to lose weight. And so when I felt that I shed those extra few pounds, I went right back to my lifestyle. It would be a continuous cycle. After a few months, I felt I was getting a little heavy. So then I stopped and I would starve myself again. Now, in the summer of 2015, I was forced to close my shop down due to leasing issues. At the time, I was very upset. I was very angry with my landlord. But in hindsight, it was a blessing in disguise. Because it was right around that time that I started feeling some pain and discomfort in my, what I thought was my lower back on my left side. I went to a physical therapist. He ran some tests. He couldn't figure it out, but he definitely knew that it wasn't like a sciatica thing or a lower back issue or anything like that. So he recommended that I go see a orthopedist. So I made an appointment. I went to go see the doctor, took some x-rays, did a bone scan. And so when the results came out, we sat down together and he was showing me the x-rays and telling me that it wasn't a back issue. It was a hip issue. And he told me that I had what was called AVN which is a vascular necrosis. And you guys can Google that if you want to get a kind of more in-depth definition, but to give you a general idea of what it is, it's when there is a lack of blood flow going through my hips and through the bones to feed the bone tissue. And when the bone tissue doesn't really get fed by that, it eventually disintegrates and the ball and socket joint eventually collapses. Now, that sensation is one of the more painful feelings that I've ever had. Every time I would walk, I would be limping, of course, but there were times where I would take a step and I felt that I would just collapse and fall down because it felt like my hip was just going to give out, like it was literally going to dislocate. So there were times where I was hopping home, literally on my right leg, and I have friends to uh, account for this. 
I was hopping home or I was using my friends as a crutch and they were helping me home. Every time I would sit down and then get up for a little bit, I felt that pain. Every time I got out of bed, I felt that pain. It got worse and worse as time went on. So my doctor obviously recommended that I get hip replacement surgery. Now, mind you, I was only 40 years old at the time, so relatively young, I would say. And when I think of hip replacement surgery, I think of people that are 70, 80 years old that have to get it because of a slip and fall or people that get it due to a car accident or a sports injury. I had none of those. This just happened naturally. And according to my doctor, this does happen, but it's very rare. So I went out and I got a second opinion. That doctor told me the exact same thing. So we scheduled a hip replacement surgery for the beginning of June of 2016. Now, after the surgery, I felt a lot better. That kind of excruciating pain wasn't there anymore. I just felt soreness. I felt a little pain, but that was due to the surgery. I definitely obviously didn't have the mobility back yet or the strength, but the surgery was a success and I felt a lot better. So after about 10 days or so, I went back to the doctor's office to do a routine checkup and he took another x-ray and I was looking at it and I could see my hips and I see two screws sticking out of my left hip. Then my doctor told me, believe it or not, that what happened to my left hip is happening to my right hip. And I'm like, you're kidding. I couldn't believe it. It's one thing that I had to get one of them done. But the fact that it's happening to both of them at the same time was pretty ridiculous. So he recommended that I would need to get the surgery again on my right side. He said I could wait till the next year if I wanted to, if the pain wasn't too bad. And the pain wasn't as bad as it was when I first got the left one done. But I didn't want to go through that pain again and wait till the following year. And also with insurance and the co-pays and all that deductible stuff, I figured make it a buy one, get one free, right? So I got the left one done in June. I got the right one done at the end of August. And still a shock to me that I had to get both of them done, but I'm so glad that I got them done. To this day now, I feel so much better I'm doing things that I never thought that I could be able to do because I just had that kind of negative stigma in my head, not being able to play golf or, or kind of run or do anything physical ever again. But I was wrong. I'm doing more things now and I'm stronger now than I ever have been. So after the surgery, they kind of get you into rehab almost right away. Literally hours after the surgery and after you wake up, uh, they have you walk using a walker down the hall and into the rehab room. And that's where we have like that group therapy session and everything like that. And they explain to you, you know, how to take the medication, what kind of exercises to do, how to start off, make sure you don't rush anything, make sure you don't try to do anything extraneous right away. This is going to take some time, but it's not going to be that difficult. But the crazy part was when I was in that rehab room, I looked around and I noticed, no joke, I was easily the youngest one there by like 35 years. Everyone around me were retired aged people, men and women who had a hip replacement surgery or a knee replacement surgery. Now, just to give you an idea of where I was in terms of just a physical state, uh, I weighed in at approximately close to 190 pounds, I believe, right before the June surgery. So I wasn't really obese, but I definitely considered myself fat or overweight. I was five foot nine, 
190 pounds, but I felt more overweight on the inside than I did on the outside. And that's why 2016 was one of those pivotal years for me. Um, it was like that turning point year, that wake up call, uh, where I just opened my eyes and said, listen, I got to change my ways. I can't continue to live like this anymore. I can't continue to drink the way I drink and, and party and go out late nights and eat like crap. I couldn't do that anymore. I had to make a change because I hated the way I felt. It came to that point. It was literally a wake up call. So later in 2017, I joined the gym around October or so, October, uh, November-ish. And I started going back and I started doing the exercises that I used to do, but I wasn't consistent. And so I just, you know, would go a few days, I would stop, take a few days off. And not because I was hurting or, or because I was afraid that I was going to hurt myself. I was just being lazy. I'm not going to lie. I just made up excuses. Uh, I was meeting friends for happy hour or uh, I was just lazy. Something on TV I wanted to watch and I get distracted. Whatever it was, I just wasn't consistent. So January 1st, 2018, what do I do? Like everybody else, we make our New Year's resolutions. And the number one resolution that I think everybody makes is I'm going to get healthier this year. I'm going to go to the gym more. I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to diet. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get that six pack. Pretty much making the same resolution that I've made, oh, I don't know, probably 20 times in my life. This year, it's going to be different. New year, new me. I'm going to stick with it this time. I'm going to keep disciplined. I'm going to have the determination to go every day and lose that weight and not quit. And I probably have said that a few times in the past as well. So I go out, I buy new sneakers, I get a new pair of shorts, I buy new socks, because apparently the 13 pairs of gym socks that I already owned uh, wasn't good enough. And also, I went to the gym and I asked to get a personal trainer. That's when I met Mike, my personal trainer. And we sat down, we go over, and we did a little Q&A, and he asked me pretty much the same thing, you know, what are your goals? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to accomplish by going to the gym? And I probably gave the same answer that he's heard a thousand times, which is, you know, I want to get healthier. I want to lose weight. I want to get ripped. I want to get jacked. I want big muscles. I want to get stronger, all that kind of stuff. And I think I ended the conversation by saying pretty much what I want is I want to be able to walk down the street in shorts and t-shirt. And when people walk by me or see me, they say, you know what? That guy goes to the gym and he doesn't skip leg day. So we finish that conversation and we get to billing and he explains to me how the billing cycle works that in the beginning of the month, you'll get charged on your credit card for that month's training sessions. So I handed my credit card over to him and right before he ran it, I said, you know what, can you charge me and run it for not only January, but for February and March as well? And he looked at me and he said, I hope you understand that you don't have to do that. We could just keep your credit card on file. And I said, no, I get that. I understand what you're saying. However, I need to do something different this year that I've never done in the past. All right. I've had a personal trainer in the past one other time. And again, that only lasted about a month. But I figured if I'm going to be accountable, I might as well be financially accountable as well. So if I'm going to pay for those three months now, I have to go because they're already paid for. And at the time, I didn't have my store. I didn't have a job. So three months worth of personal training sessions, 
uh, was a lot of money. Probably money that I couldn't really afford, and I probably I could have used that money to something else, but I knew I had to make a different commitment than I did in the past. So he ran the credit card, took the money out of my account right away, and I explained to him that this is what's going to happen. If I don't show up for a scheduled training session, and we schedule twice a week, if I don't show up for one of them, you keep the money. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to ask for a refund. I'm not going to ask to reschedule. If I give you enough time notice, that's different. But if I cancel at, like, say, 6 in the morning for an 8 o'clock session, that's on me. I'm not going to blame anybody else but myself. Also, if I decide to quit at the end of February and I still have March that's already paid for, I'm not going to ask for that money back. I'm not going to ask to, you know, instead of March, can I do April? I was just going to lose that money. I told him, charge me for everything so that if I miss or I quit, I lose that money. I just lose it. And it was money that I really couldn't afford to lose. I mean, who can, honestly? So as I was walking home, I was thinking to myself, what did I just do? Did I just give this guy uh, money who I don't really know three months worth of personal training sessions? And then I not only did that, I bought new sneakers, I bought new shorts, I bought new socks that I didn't need. I hope I made the right decision. And then when I finally got home, and I'm still thinking about this, I told myself, you know what? I have to look at this from a different angle, a different perspective. So instead of money spent, I looked at it as money invested. Just like my restaurants, I had to invest a certain amount of money to get it started with the construction, with the inventory and all that kind of stuff. And that's how I wanted to treat me going to the gym. I treated it like a business. Money invested is different than money spent. Because money invested, I'm expecting a return on that investment, the ROI. I knew that if I didn't do the work, that this business was going to fail. And in order for me to succeed, it is 100% on me and no one else or anything else. All right? It wasn't the gym that was going to make me not go. It wasn't the trainer that wasn't going to make me go. It was me. It was only me, and I don't like to fail. I don't like to invest in things that I know I'm not going to get a return on. And my return would be me getting healthy, me getting stronger, me getting leaner, me getting... Uh, bigger in terms of muscles and all that kind of stuff. So when I thought of it that way and I changed my mindset in that regards, I actually felt better about spending all that money up front right away. So I put the ultimate pressure on myself and by treating it like a business, like I said, it helped me kind of focus and think of it as a job. So I made a promise to myself that I will never make this resolution ever again for the rest of my life. And if I don't, that's on me. It's my fault. 100% my fault. It's not like my trainer told me to go home when I showed up for our personal training sessions. It's not like my friends told me to you know, not go or invite me out to happy hour and I kind of cave into that. No, it was 100% on me. And don't forget, I still had my fun. I still went out and I still had drinks and stuff like that with my friends. But it wasn't nearly as to the level as when I was in the restaurant industry. Now, the year 2020, I'm still going strong. The return on that investment that I made in 2018 
is definitely paying off and I couldn't be happier. Now, the first, I would say three to six months of, of training and working out on my own, uh, it sucked. I'm not going to lie. It was fun, but uh, it was hard. It was very difficult. It wasn't easy because I was just that out of shape. So when I first started, my trainer was great because he just, instead of starting me on like, you know, lifting heavy weights and all that kind of stuff, we did a gradual progression to get to where I am today. Meaning I didn't touch a heavy weight, even though I could have until probably six months, almost nine months down the road. I did a lot of body weight exercises. I did a lot of core strengthening exercises. And I, and I wasn't sure why we were doing that or why I wasn't lifting heavy weights, why I wasn't bench pressing or squatting. And so I asked, and he explained to me, in order for you to do any of that stuff, you have to physically be able to do it with proper form. And to do that, we have to strengthen your core. We have to get your mobility. We have to get your flexibility up to par. So I trusted him. I knew from day one, and I told him this. I said, listen, I am in your hands for these 45 minutes to an hour, twice a week. I'm in your hands. I trust that you're going to give me the best information and train me the best way possible so that I can maximize my full potential. And it was around that six-month, nine-month period when I really started getting into it and started learning about it, watching the videos and reading the blogs and articles and stuff like that. Uh, that's when I really started learning about how important diet and nutrition was, how essentially it's 80% of, of your fitness and training. Uh, it's not just an hour in the gym, five, six days a week. It's literally what you do outside the gym that's going to build muscle, that's going to get you stronger, that's going to get you leaner. So when I learned more about the nutrition part and the diet part, uh, I just became really fascinated with it. I had no idea the amount of information that's out there, and I had no idea what some of these pro bodybuilders go through when it, when it comes to their diet. I mean, these guys are monsters. These guys are huge. But every single one of them will tell you that has, compared to the gym, the diet, the kitchen is more important. So I just kept on watching videos. I just kept on reading. I just kept on asking questions. And eventually, I think it probably took me close to a year to kind of figure out how to eat properly and what all the terminology meant and and why you eat this way and how you eat and how much of it you eat and how important calories in and calories out are, how important macros are. Uh, and then I also learned about all these different fad diets that go on. I learned about you know different workout plans that people do. There are a lot of stuff out there that people will tell you. And some of it's good and some of it's bad, just to give you a heads up. They're not all true, but they're not all fake either. There are some stuff that is there are some stuff that is misleading. I'm just going to warn you ahead of time. But there is a lot of helpful information out there. But you should definitely do your own homework and figure out what's best for you. And then talk to your trainer if you, can, if you have one. Or talk to a health and wellness coach if you know someone like that. If you have a friend in the fitness industry, I'm sure he or she will be more than happy to answer any of the questions that you have. So to give you an idea of my progression, uh, when I first started working out, January 1st, 2018, let's just say, 
I was about 176 pounds and 28% body fat. Now I measured the body fat by the um, that little machine that I bought on Amazon, this little handheld joystick looking thing. By summer of 2019, this is after I learned how to eat properly and I, I did a 20 week cut and it, that's tough, trust me. You don't need to do that extreme, but I just wanted to do it to see if I could do it. Now, if you could do it, that's awesome. But uh, I did a 20 week cut where I was in a caloric deficit, a consistent caloric deficit throughout those 20 weeks. Now I ate pizza. I still drank alcohol. Uh, I ate burgers and fries. I just didn't do it every day. I did it once a week. You know, I had that kind of quote unquote cheat meal or cheat day or whatever like that. But towards the end, instead of having like a pizza every fourth day, I was like not craving it as much just because the progress that I was seeing, I didn't want to screw it up. So I would eat pizza now every sixth day or every 10th day. And then there were times where I eat pizza two days in a row, but it was in moderation and it was very little compared to how I was eating it way back and when. So by the summer of 2019, I clocked in at 146 pounds and at five and a half percent body fat. And my trainer did the caliper testing for the body fat. I was psyched. When I took a picture of myself and then I put it side by side with what I look like right before the surgery, it was night and day. I was two totally different people. I couldn't believe that I looked like that back then. I couldn't believe I looked like this now. So I got really lean and I don't recommend anybody going that far extreme. I mean, five and a half bodies, five and a half percent body fat uh, is hard to maintain and it's not really recommended. I mean, pros will tell you this, but I just wanted to see if I could do it and see if I can get down to that level. Because if I can prove to myself that I could do that, then I know that I could do it again. And I know that I could grow and get stronger later on. And it just gave me a lot of motivation. I changed my mindset at that point when I saw that before and after pick. If I did this and it took me, you know, a year and a half to get to this level, what am I going to look like six months from now? What am I going to look like a year from now? What am I going to look like two years from now, five years from now? So that was my big motivation. That was one of the main reasons why I keep going because I can't wait to see what I look like six months from now, a year from now. That's what keeps me going. I think I look good now. I think I definitely look better than I did in the past, but I think I could look better. And I can't wait to see the results because if I stick with it, it, it's only going to help. It's not going to hurt. There was not one time where I left the gym with regret. Now, I might have gone to the gym in the morning. I'm tired or I maybe didn't feel like going. And I, you know, there have been times where I did skip, but Every time that I forced myself to go, when I came back out 45 minutes, an hour later, there's not one time where I walked out of that gym and said, damn it, I should have never came here. This was a complete waste of time. Never. And I never will. Every time that I left, I left with a smile. I was satisfied. I might have hurt, especially during leg day, but I was satisfied. And I couldn't wait to go back the next day to work on my arms or work on my shoulders or chest. And that brings me to why I wanted to start this podcast to begin with. It's because not only did I want to share my journey and my experiences and my opinions based on my experiences, but also to help those beginners who are just starting out like I did three years ago, who don't really know what to do or don't really know what 
to ask or who to ask, uh, let me just say this. There is no such thing as a stupid question. I've told that to my employees back in the day, uh, and I'm telling you now, if you don't know the answer to the question that you have, that's not a stupid question. That's not a dumb question. It's a very, very relevant question that if you want the answer to, ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. And a hundred out of a hundred times, I could almost guarantee that if you ask a, a fitness professional, your personal trainer or coach or whoever, he or she will give you the answer without any judgment or any opinion. I promise you. Because this is what they do for a career. This is what they do for a living. And so they'd be more than happy to help you. And you shouldn't be intimidated. You shouldn't be scared to ask questions. And also, don't be intimidated to step foot into the gym. Because that is the one place, one of the few places actually in the world, I believe, where once you step foot in the gym, you are now on the same page as everyone else that is in that gym. You're there for one reason, one reason only, and it's to better yourself inside and out. And they are all there to do the exact same thing. Believe it or not, there is no judgment. There is no people pointing fingers or laughing or, or talking about you behind your back because you're doing whatever this exercise or you're only lifting five pounds or 10 pounds. There is none of that. I promise you. As soon as I step foot into that gym, it is all business for me. I don't care about everybody else. I really don't. I just focus on what I need to do and I do it. And I'm sure that all the other people in the gym are thinking the exact same way. So yeah, it can be intimidating walking into the gym for the first time. Uh, it can be nerve wracking. It can be a little scary, but I can promise you this. Once you start going, you're going to feel right at home. The, all, all that negative stuff is out the window and we're all there for positive reasons only. And with that being said, I plan on having a lot of experts on the show, personal trainers, nurse coaches, health and wellness coaches, uh, nutritionists. Uh, we talk about exercising. We talk about eating, dieting. We also talk about mental health uh, and everything under the fitness umbrella. I want to learn as much as possible and relay that knowledge to you guys as well. If you think that you would be a great guest on the show or know of somebody that might be a great guest on the show, Please, again, feel free to send me a message on Instagram at notafitnesspro, uh, and we could work something out. I would love to hear your story, and uh, we'll go from there and see what happens. But I'm pretty excited. I hope you guys are too, and I look forward to doing many more of these uh, in the near future. So thanks for listening, and enjoy the rest of your day.